0: What does the Bible say about Christian women teaching men in the context of the local church? Are there scriptural boundaries or are there no limitations on female teachers? We'll be talking to Dr. Randy Stinson of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood as we sort this out and take your calls. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941.
0: A date which will live in infamy. I have a dream.
2: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
0: president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now here's today's host, Denny Burke.
4: Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. This is Denny Burke sitting in for Dr. Johnson today, who is away, but who will be back next week. Today is Theology Day here at the show, and we are going to be talking about an extremely controversial topic— women in ministry. More specifically, we are going to discuss what the Bible teaches about women teaching men in the context of the local church. We want you to be included in this conversation, so if you have a question or comment, please call us at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. I realize that for many of our listeners, the question of women teaching men may not be on the front burner of your theological thinking, and it may be the case that the issues we discuss today will be the very first time you have ever heard a discussion of the question about the propriety of women teaching men in the local church. But we find ourselves needing to address this question not only because the Bible speaks to it and a Christian worldview requires that we listen to every word of Scripture, but also because we have been confronted with the issue in a very tangible way in a controversy over a female professor who recently left Southwestern Seminary. In the last month or so, the story of Dr. Sherry Cloud, a former professor at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, her story has appeared in major news outlets across the nation, including the Dallas Morning News, the Associated Press, and even the Wall Street Journal. Her story has been hotly debated on blogs all over the Internet. And just this week, the ABC affiliate here in Dallas, Texas, broadcast a feature story on the evening news about Dr. Cloud's exit from the seminary. I have a couple of clips that I want to play for all of you listeners from Channel 8's broadcast and their coverage of the story. And then I want to give you some of my reflections about it and open up the phone line. So if you'd like to ask a question or comment, please give us a call at one 800 881 9270 that's one 881 9270 so listen into this first clip from Channel 8 News here in Dallas their coverage of this story Does the Bible forbid women to teach men? The female professor says she was unfairly forced out of Southwestern Baptist Theological
1: Seminary in Fort Worth all because of 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11 Channel 8's Jim Douglas explains the controversy it's a little colder than the Holy Land, but Sherry Clouda has newfound empathy for Israelites wandering through the wilderness in the Old Testament.
5: Ata u binka.
1: Only she's a Southern Baptist, a PhD who teaches Hebrew.
5: U Deboche
1: Now at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana. But until last year, at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth.
5: I was told that I was a mistake that the trustees needed to fix. And those are the exact words.
1: She says she was told she could no longer teach at the seminary for one simple reason.
5: Because I was female.
1: It goes back to the New Testament.
5: There's a passage that says in 1st Timothy chapter 2 um, verse 11.
1: The Apostle Paul describes the role of women in the early church.
5: I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner.
4: Okay, that's the first clip from the ABC broadcast here in Dallas. And I want you to notice that in this broadcast, it focused very heavily upon what the Bible teaches about this topic. Now, we're going to come back to this in just a minute. I want to play one more clip for you. It's the end of the Channel 8 broadcast. Go ahead.
1: Dr. Claudus says she's happy here at Taylor University, except that the financial, emotional, even the physical burdens are becoming much more than she ever thought she would have to bear, or thought she should have to bear, because of a passage in the Bible.
5: I love the Bible, and I know a lot of it.
1: Knows enough to believe that the Apostle Paul never intended to keep her from teaching Hebrew to men. In Upland, Indiana, Jim Douglas, Channel 8 News.
4: And that's exactly what I want us to discuss today here at Theology Day on Jerry Johnson Live. What does Paul teach about women teaching men in the context of the local church and then by extension to in the seminary? So that now you've heard this, we've set up the issue, we would like to hear from you. Please give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. Let me say up front, as you're picking up your phone to dial in and to talk with us about this, I'm really not that interested in getting into the he said, she said aspects of the uh, Southwestern story. I'm not interested in trying to figure out what caused or whatever the departure over there. Um, I think we've heard, really, if you've been paying attention to news reports, we've heard sort of one side of the the story, what I really want us to focus on here, Jerry Johnson Live, are the biblical and the theological concerns that are underlying this whole story. And in this respect, I think that the Channel 8 piece left a little bit to be desired and that it just sort of left viewers hanging with respect to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. That's chapter 2 verse 12, not verse 11. They got the verse wrong in the story. Uh, but that verse um, is plainly quoted in the piece. But then the piece ends with the claim that the text does not, in fact, apply to the situation with this professor. And, you know, I suppose we probably shouldn't expect more from news coverage about this story. But as Christians, we certainly have a responsibility to handle the word of God more carefully than that and to think more deeply about this issue. We're constrained to grapple with what Paul means in this text, 1 Timothy 2.12, and to apply it to our lives and to our churches. And I believe that what we have before us is really two questions. Number one, what does the Bible teach? Uh, And and in particularly in 1 Timothy 2.12, what does the Bible teach us about women teaching men in the church? And number two, does the Bible's teaching on this subject apply to seminaries? So uh, once again, I'd like to hear from you on this. Give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. We do have callers on the line, as you can imagine that we would. Our first caller is Jack in Dallas. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thank you.
3: Um, It's kind of a difficult subject, but uh, I uh, am familiar with the verse there, and uh, since it does refer to Adam and Eve, and uh, Eve being deceived, it kind of appears that maybe Adam did on purpose uh, eat of the fruit, and that uh, uh, whatever reason she was deceived, or uh, it, it appears that perhaps a woman is more easily deceived than than a man. Both of them, of course, are are uh, able to be deceived. I'm sure, but uh, from from my understanding or just reading of the scripture, it seems that uh, more likely a woman to be deceived, and then perhaps she would uh, try to teach a man or talk a man into things which women, and especially wives, are uh, the most excellent
4: at doing Jack yeah. let me remind our listeners of, of wh- exactly what the verse reads we only read really the one verse verse 12 that's all the listeners heard on the newscast and it would help if we got into the context a little bit more it says 1st uh, Timothy 2 in uh, chapter uh, chapter 2 in verse 11 all the way to the end of the chapter it says this uh, but I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, being quite deceived, fell into transgression. But women shall be preserved or saved through the bearing of children, if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. And, uh, Jackie, the question that you raise and the issue you raise is a common one. Uh, some people have read this text to be teaching that women are more easily deceived than men Uh, i don't think that that is at all what this verse is teaching as a matter of fact if you read it paul says i don't allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet why because it was adam who was first created and then eve and the issue here is is that adam was created first and then eve was created second and what paul seems to be implying is is that in the order of creation there is implied uh, an order of authority or of hierarchy and that Adam was supposed to be the head of his wife, Eve. But instead of Adam being the one who was in charge and who was sort of uh, responsible as the leader of his family, um, that order was subverted when Eve was tempted by the devil. You notice that Eve was the one who was approached by the devil in Genesis which is, of course, the story that's being referred to here. So it's not that she's more easily deceived. It's that the creation order that implies a certain um, male headship, I believe Paul is teaching, was subverted when Satan tempted Eve in the Genesis narrative. So thank you for your call, Jack. We have another caller, Libby, who is in Fort Worth. Welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. Um, I believe that the Scripture is really clear that women should teach women and children only. And I feel so adamantly about this. I lived in Houston up until a year ago, and just moved forward. And I was in Beth Moore's Bible studies, which were for women, and then her Sunday school class was mixed. It was men and women. And I took that to the pastor of the church, believing that that was not what should be happening. And I just feel real strongly about sticking to Scripture, and I believe that's what Scripture says.
4: Well, thank you so much for that call, Libby. We appreciate that. In fact, Titus 2 does say, uh, in Titus 2 and verse 2, Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound, in faith and love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, and so forth. And so in Titus, you know, the same Paul who wrote 1 Timothy 2.12 is the same one who wrote Titus 2. And in fact, Paul says that women are supposed to be teaching other women. And uh, so it's not that women aren't gifted with a teaching gift, I don't think, biblically speaking, but uh, that there is a directive here to be teaching other women. Uh, We do have another caller on the line, Bob, who's in Terrell. Bob, welcome to the show.
6: Hello. Yes, um, I think it has to do with the men that should be the leader of the household and also that men should be the leader of the church because, I mean, it says that in Scripture and also the fact that I like the way Tony Evans breaks it down at uh, Promise Keepers about Eve was tempted by Satan and Adam was there by her side. And Adam... Should have been the one to say, "Hey, want, hey, uh serpent! Don't be tell, talking to my wife and telling her to eat the apple, because I'm the head of my household. Shut up and leave her alone."
4: <laughs> okay, Bob. Thank you for that call. That's precisely the point that I think Paul is making in First Timothy two. It was Adam who was created first, and then Eve. There's an order established in creation. And the order implies the headship of the husband over the wife. And that order was subverted by Satan's approaching the woman first. And some people have thought that it was you know, perhaps the case that as Eve is being spoken to by the serpent, Adam is standing there passively. And as the human race is plunged into sin, Adam is there falling as his wife is being approached by the serpent when he should have been intervening thank you so much for that call Bob we appreciate that I want to hear from you we're going to continue talking about women in ministry what does the Bible teach about it what does the Bible say in 1 Timothy 2:12? give us a call at 1-800-881-9270 that's 1-800-881-9270 and for all of you who are holding on the line we'll look for you right after the break
0: If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to
4: Jerry Johnson Live! Now here's today's host, Denny Burke. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. This is Denny Burke sitting in for Jerry Johnson, and I was wrong in the first segment. Dr. Johnson's not going to be back next week, uh, but we will look for him after that. Um, But I am here today and happy to be here. We're talking about the subject of women in ministry, and specifically, what does the Bible teach about women teaching men in the church and this uh, issue is brought to the fore by uh, something an item in the news this week about a female prof- former female professor at a local seminary and uh, the news report repeated and quoted uh, 1 Timothy 2:12 which reads I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet. So we're discussing this uh, this text and what the Bible teaches as a whole on this subject. We want to hear from you. Please give us a call at 1-800-881-9270, 1-800-881-9270, or you can email us at talk at com. We have uh, people lined up to talk. Sylvia in Grand... Sorry. We have <laughs> Craig in Grand Prairie online, too. Thank you. Craig, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for taking my call, Danny.
4: Thank you for calling in.
2: One of the things... It it really bothers me how the world has crept into the church in America so much. But if you look at this passage, comparing—not comparing comparing it, but in relation to in Ephesians 5, where it talks about uh, a husband loving his wife as Christ loves the church, okay? Right. I can't imagine— Obviously, Christ uh, representing the man and the church representing the woman, I can't imagine Jesus ever being under the authority of the church, if you understand. What I'm, where I'm going with
4: that. I'm not really following you. Jesus being under the authority of the church. Yeah,
2: well, he's the head, right? He's the representative
4: of the man. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, you know yeah. Saying? Yeah, husband's and, to love his wife as Christ loves the church, and Christ is the head over the church. The church submits to Christ. If the husband is the head of his wife, um, he would uh, the wife should be submissive to the husband because that's what's pictured there in Ephesians chapter 5. And, uh, of course, that's another controversial controversial text uh, that people disagree over, but it seems you know, Paul's pretty straightforward there, that there is a headship relationship between husbands and wives. And what what Paul is teaching is that um, the way the husband loves his wife is supposed to mirror the way Christ loves the church. Christ leads the church. A husband leads his wife. Christ dies sacrificially for his church. He gives his life away for his church. A husband gives his life away, lives sacrificially towards his wife. And the interesting thing in Ephesians 5 is is that this is the husband's relationship to the wife is supposed to be picturing Christ's relationship to the church. So that when a man is loving his wife, as the scriptures teach, he's actually giving a, a parable or a picture of the gospel. And uh, so Ephesians 5 is mainly concerned with the way husbands and wives relate to one another in, ho- in the home. But what we're really thinking about today in First Timothy is the way that men and women relate to one another in terms of the leadership and of the teaching role in the church. And uh, I expect Randy Stinson to help us out with how these two relate, these two different domains, in the next segment but we can just say this, there is something very significant being pictured in the husband-wife relationship and indeed in the male headship that's um, taught throughout the scriptures. We have another caller on the line, Sonia, who is in Arlington. Sonia, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you for taking my call. Yes, glad I, to have you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to make a comment that it seems to me that the context here in the second uh, chapter of First Timothy is he's kind of giving him instruction in how to lead the Church, not so much a seminary or a place of like... Do you understand what I mean? Uh, Oh
4: yeah, sure.
5: So, I know that you said part of your question would be, you know, what, what was the problem with her teaching? I don't see the problem with her teaching Hebrew to men because it's a language. She's not teaching Scripture, so unless she's trying to teach Scripture, you know, to them, I don't really see the problem or see how she's usurping the authority of a man in a scriptural basis.
4: Sonia, thank you so much. You know, you're exactly right about the context of 1 Timothy, because uh, 1 Timothy 3 says, Paul says, "...I'm writing that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth." Certainly when Paul writes 1 Timothy 2.12 about a woman not teaching or exercising authority over a man, he is addressing uh, within the context of the church. The question becomes is what is Paul's commands concerning leadership in the church? What does that have to say about uh, the teaching function in the seminary? Well, Paul's saying for the church they should, the, woman, the woman should not teach or exercise authority over a man. Uh, should that spill over into the seminary? or to the Bible college, or to any uh, sort of um, support institution to a church, Uh, my view of that is this. um, For the seminary, and in in this case, the Southwestern Seminary, the seminaries are actually serving the churches. Um, They are supposed to be embodying the ideals and the teachings of the churches, not subverting them. And so you would think that what the seminary does, uh, they're going to reflect what the churches are doing. Uh, Southern Baptist schools, Southern Baptist seminary, Southern Baptists are committed to uh, a a doctrinal basis known as the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which says that while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. And so a lot of Southern Baptist churches uh, not only uh, have just um, the the pastor limited to men, some Southern Baptist churches also uh, say that the teaching office is uh, limited to men. It's based on this verse. And so you've got a constituency that would want um, that view reflected in the seminary that they're supporting. So, uh, you know, really, I think that in an entity like a seminary, you would definitely want it to reflect what the churches are believing. We want to hear from you. Please give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. We have Enrico from Dallas, Enrico, welcome to the program.
6: Yes, sir, thank you for taking my call. Very interesting topic. Uh, gentlemen, my, uh, my argument is that if the Lord Jesus Christ never never articulated anything in this respect, I think it was supremely arrogant of Paul to take this position as if, uh, you know, Paul was just as fallible as any other man. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, to, to, to just say that women cannot Teach or cannot take a position uh, in teaching. It is tantamount to say when, when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit was 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 given, uh, it says in Joel very clearly that the Holy Spirit will be given to to everybody, to men, women, child, and, and 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 the elderly. I guess what I'm trying to say is is the Holy Spirit being a prerequisite. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, I mean, you cannot teach. That, that to me, that that's that's obvious.
4: Thank you, Enrico, for your call. I appreciate that. Certainly, we do believe that both men and women who are believers in Jesus Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that um, men and women are fellow heirs of the grace of life. That's the way that Peter says it. First Peter chapter three, we are fellow heirs of the grace of Christ. And we all inherit the same measure, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, it, the Holy Spirit indwells us. But uh, we would want to steer clear of try, of implying that Paul is making um, an error or that he is wrong. In 1 Timothy 2.12, when he says that uh, I don't allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, you may say that Paul was fallible or a sinner. Even Paul said that. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. But you don't want to say that the Bible, uh, which is actually a product of the Holy Spirit, that the Bible has errors in it. Um, the Lord reserves the right to strike a straight lick with a crooked stick. And what that means is is that he can use imperfect people to produce an in- inerrant word. And we know that that's precisely what Jesus was intending, I believe, when he called Paul. Um, we, should not, we should never put, you know, pit Jesus against Paul in sort of a uh, cage match like the two are fighting against one another. In fact, Jesus said in Acts chapter 9... Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and for the sons of Israel. Um, Jesus referred to Paul as his chosen instrument, that he was going to give Paul his words. And of course, these words are inscripturated for us now in uh, Paul's 13 books in the New Testament, from Romans to Philemon, and that also includes 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. So we want to be careful about pitting Paul against Jesus. We do have other callers on the line. We still want to hear from you. Our number is 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. We have on the line right now Feather from Bedford. Welcome to the program. Thank you for
5: taking the call. I appreciate
4: it. Yeah, I'm glad you called.
5: First, first, let me say that I received my Ph.D. from Southwestern, and I hold that institution in the highest regard. Um, I believe the Bible is um, inerrant, uh, without fault, and the accurate and fair representation of, of God. Um, I don't think Paul uh, was at all in error when he said that men should not exercise authority over a, over a woman. But um, I would like uh, to think also about um, Acts 18 uh, where uh, Priscilla and Aquila uh, taught um, um, Apollos, a native of Alexandria, and he, he was learned, but he didn't have the, the, um, the full uh, knowledge. And the Bible says, um, I'm, I'm in verse 26 of... Um, chapter 18 of the book of Acts. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately.
4: Feather, if you can stay on the line, we have an interview in the next segment. I'd love to talk about Acts 18 with you. I was hoping someone would ask about it. Well, we do have an interview with Randy Stinson right after the break. For all of you who are on the lines, just hang on. We want to get to your calls. We're at 1-800-881-9270 1-800-881- 9270. See you after the break.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Denny Burke.
4: Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. This is Denny Burke sitting in for Dr. Johnson. Today is Theology Day on Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking about women teaching men in the context of the local church and even perhaps the seminary. We welcome your questions and your comments. Please give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. We've got a caller on the line, Feather. Feather, I'm sorry we had to break off uh, before the last segment. Uh, You were reading from Acts 18. We've only got just a, a few seconds. Could you zero in on the question that you were coming to at the end?
5: Sure. Uh, I think the the concept here was that it was a husband and wife team-teaching uh, Apollos. Um, I think Betty Criswell uh, had to address this very question uh, when she taught her um, Radio Bible class, not only that class, but to the general population. Um, she very firmly said that she was under the headship of her husband. Dr.
4: Wells. Thank you so much, Feather, for calling. Uh, I'm so glad you brought up Acts 18 because a lot of folks uh, point to this verse, and especially in conjunction with 1 Timothy 2.12, because uh, some people interpret 1 Timothy 2.12 to say that I don't allow a woman to teach with authority over a man, and so the implication would be as long as she's under the authority of the pastor or her husband, then it's then it's okay to uh, to to teach in that kind of a context, and so it really comes down to the way, what is it that pre- precisely that Paul is saying here, and uh, if you look at almost every, I think every single major uh, translation translates it as, I don't allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. So Paul's actually prohibiting two things, not one thing: teaching, exercising authority. Um, so th- this is the way that I'm reading it, and I know that I'm not going to command. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's agreement today, but this is uh, the way that I think that Paul is arguing for it We want to welcome uh, to the show our guest Dr. Randy Stinson Who is the executive director of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood He also serves as the dean of the School of Leadership and Church Ministry At the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky Randy, welcome to the show Thanks, glad to be here, Denny well, I'm glad to hear from you, Randy. Uh, we are going to take calls after we're finished with you, and so listeners can call in at 1-800-881-9270. But first of all, Randy, I just want to talk to you. I read in the Baptist press this week uh, that you have said that many evangelical homes inadvertently ignore the teaching of God's Word on the subject of gender. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, I think there are a lot of uh, evangelical homes, uh, husbands or wives, that when they come to those passages, like in Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 3, or Colossians 3, there would be a full agreement that they think husbands ought to lead in the home and that wives ought to submit to their leadership. But the real breakdown, I think, uh, in most evangelical homes is not whether or not they agree with those things, but whether or not they actually practice those things. Hmm. And I think in a lot of homes, men in particular are really abdicating their leadership. They agree they should be. But they're not sure how to do it, or they just uh, aren't sure what it looks like.
4: Well, I want you to flesh out in just a minute some practical things about how that should look in a home, but could you just tell our listeners, give them a glimpse of how how it is that male headship is taught in the Scripture?
2: Well, overall, uh, male headship in the Scriptures is is, uh, characterized by three basic categories, leading, providing, and protecting. And uh, you have it uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, where men and women are equal in the image of God. And yet, even in the relationship between Adam and Eve, there would be a difference in role and function. Where Adam would be <clears throat> would be responsible for the overall direction uh, of that first home. Doesn't mean that Eve is his doormat. Doesn't mean that Eve is his personal property. But he has a unique responsibility because he's a man to oversee and give directional uh, leadership uh, to that home.
4: So what do you mean, then, when you say that some Christians affirm male headship in principle but deny it in practice? Give us some practical things that you, where you see that.
2: Well, I think in general <clears throat> um, what, would, what would happen in, a, in the average home is men are generally sort of checked out. They just assume that if, uh, if there's food on the table and uh, kids have clothes on, that, uh, that they really don't have to get, get really involved with the directional issues. But my argument would be, <clears throat> if you're going to lead something, then you need to be responsible for uh, the direction of that thing that you're leading. You need to be responsible for where, where this thing is going, uh, how you're going to get there. And that involves a lot of energy. That involves a lot of initiative on the, on the part of the husband. And I think most husbands are content to sort of let their wives bear many of those responsibilities, and they're really things that our wives shouldn't have to bear. And, uh, and and I think that's where the abdication shows up.
4: We're talking to Dr. Randy Stinson of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. We are looking forward to your calls a little bit later in the show. The number is one eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero. 881 9270 That's one eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero. 881 9270 And uh, Randy, we're talking about... Uh, Today we've been focusing mainly on the gender roles within the church and uh, just here and there on gender roles in the home. And I just want to ask you, do you think there is a relationship between what the Bible says about male headship in the home and then what the Bible teaches about male leadership in the church?
2: Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, <clears throat> not only do you see it in, in, in the you know, eight or ten passages that I'm sure you've already discussed, but you see that as just a general pattern of scripture where the home and the community of faith are are modeled with similar leadership structures, so you have in the old testament the the priesthood you have husbands leading in the home, you have that through the entire through the entire Bible and even in the in the language of the New Testament, where you have older men, there's a lot of family language there older men are to be like fathers. Older women are to be like mothers to the younger women. <clears throat> you have the brother, the brother language uh, between believers, and so there, there is definitely a connection. There is definitely a consistency uh, between those two, th- th- those two institutions, and the way they're structured. And it, it makes sense to me that the Bible would, would uh, lay it out that way, and that God would lay it out that way because God Himself it reflects something about God Himself. The issue of Order the issue of authority, the issue of structure.
4: So, is it possible for Christians to commit the same error in the church that you say they commit at home, and that is affirming male headship in principle but denying it in practice?
2: Absolutely. Uh, There, there is no doubt. In fact, um, uh, frankly, I've been following the comments uh, that have been made on your blog and uh, and other blogs over the last few weeks, and. It reveals to me that yes, uh, in in a lot of ways, <clears throat> the church has not really thought about the the full implications of a passage like First Timothy two.
0: Hmm.
2: A lot of people are clear, right? We don't think a woman should be the senior pastor of a church, but the practice in practice, First Timothy two twelve, it it prohibits a lot of things uh, from going on in the church. And I would argue even at the seminary level, because the seminary level we're trying to model uh, what's going on in the Church, and so I agree, yes, it, it easily can happen, and, and I think is happening.
4: So you wouldn't make a, a separate set of standards for the seminary than what you have for the Church?
2: Well, I think, I think when the Bible governs a particular activity, then I don't think it matters where that activity is taking place. So whether or not the teaching is taking place uh, under a shade tree or in a church building or in a seminary classroom, there's a particular content that's being dealt with <clears throat> in a particular relationship that Paul is advocating between the person teaching and the person receiving the teaching. So that even if we had something like, uh, let's just say, although I would not advocate doing this, let's just say you are going to... Uh, have the Lord's Supper in a outside under a shade tree somewhere. Well, just because you're not having it in a church building, doesn't mean that you still don't have to do what the Bible says at the Lord's Supper. For instance, you still would be required to examine yourself. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't think that I don't have to be governed by Scripture in this activity because it's not actually happening in a church. And that would be the same thing with First Timothy two twelve. 1 Timothy 2.12 2, is not dealing with location. It's dealing with function
4: and content. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking to Randy Stenson, who's the executive director of Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And Randy, one of our callers just asked about Acts 18 with the uh, Priscilla and Aquila teaching Apollos, explaining the way of truth more accurately to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do you deal with that passage and the way you're interpreting 1 Timothy 2? Well,
2: I think that Acts 18 doesn't negate First Timothy 2. I think it, it helps nuance it and explain what is and is not acceptable, acceptable, and how uh, what you have is a husband and wife sitting in a room talking to a guy. Uh, and so, uh, what, it, what that's advocating is it's saying uh, it's not that it's not that a woman can't ever talk to a man, and that a man can't ever ever learn something from a woman, particularly in. That's sort of a more of a casual context. So it's not prohibiting a man or woman from having a conversation, and a man taking away from that conversation something he did not know before. <clears throat> uh, 1 Timothy 2 really has to do with the formal instruction from God's Word and whether or not uh, a woman would be exercising authority over a man. In a, a living room conversation is not formal instruction from God's Word, and there's certainly not uh, an authority being exercised by Priscilla
4: over Apollos. Randy, thank you so much for coming on. Tell our listeners really quick, we only have a couple of seconds, about CBMW and where they can get more resources.
2: Well, our primary resource would be our website, cbmw.org. We literally have thousands of free downloads, articles, uh, videos, and things for Uh, to answer these difficult questions that you've been dealing
4: with today. Randy, thanks for joining us. And we are looking forward to hearing from you, the listeners, right around the corner after this break. We have people on hold as it is. Please call us at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. We look forward to hearing you around the break.
0: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Denny Burke.
4: Thank you for staying with us here at Jerry Johnson Live. We are talking about women in ministry and specifically women teaching men in the context of the local church and even the seminary. If you've missed, The show or any of our past shows, we now have an online archive of the shows that you can either listen to on your computer or perhaps download for a podcast. Go to jerryjohnsonlive.com. That's jerryjohnsonlive.com, and there's a big button right in the middle of the page where you can go to and listen to online archives of the show. We're so thankful to have callers that have been waiting through the break. And we're going to them right now. We still want to hear from you at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. First, we have Deborah, who is in Midlothian. Deborah, welcome to the show.
5: Hi, thanks. Um, I've been listening to all of this, and I'd like to preface it by saying that I believe in the headship of the man over a woman in the church. I do not believe that women should hold positions of authority. I don't believe that women should teach men. However, I think that we've gotten so caught up with that that we've forgotten the Old Testament. If, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, how do we account for Deborah, who was a judge?
4: Right. That's a great question. Thank you for that, Deborah. Well, you, you think about uh, the New Testament, and sort of our charter or constitution for the Church is not the same as uh, just reading descriptions of narrative in the Old Testament, uh, you do have uh, places, like in Judges, where Deborah was a leader. But if you look back at Judges, that was the fact that she was leading was actually a judgment on the children of Israel at that point, because there was a man who was supposed to be leading them into battle who would not do it apart from her. And God says that the glory is going to go to a woman for this. But when you come to the New Testament, uh, there's very specific instructions for how we're supposed to conduct ourselves within the household of God. As Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, the, the church, which is the uh, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and support of the truth. And there are specific offices, specific gifts and teaching functions that we have um, uh, descriptions of and Uh, boundaries around, and it's not the teaching office, the pastoral office is not just open to anyone. As a matter of fact, there's a whole list of qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that a pastor has to be above reproach, the husband of one wife. You can't be a polygamist and be a a pastor in a New New Testament church. There are a lot of men in the Old Testament that wouldn't have fit that description. Uh, But another qualification that's given uh, for teaching in the church, uh, you find in 1 Timothy 2.12. Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Well, thank you for that call, Deborah. Great question, very relevant question. We now have John in Louisville. John, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you for taking my call. I've got a uh, question that uh, uh, you just kind of brought up a little bit right there at the end of your explanation. Um, I grew up in a, a independent fundamental Baptist church, Uh, So I was always taught that, you know, men were ahead of the church uh, as far as authority, uh, godly. Uh, And nowadays you see more and more where there's women that are in position. Uh, I think a lot of those, the men just want to step up and take the the reins. But my question really is, if men are supposed to be ahead of the church and women are supposed to remain silent, what about when um, women are praying openly uh, for something specific, or even in in closing a prayer of a a church service.
4: Uh, Thank you for that question and for your comment, John. I think what Paul is specifically concerned about in 1 Timothy 2.12 is the teaching function which carries with it an an authority. When a person is teaching, uh, the the New Testament gift of teaching is actually, it's not uh, like prophecy, Prophecy is when a person receives direct revelation from God and speaks in spontaneous utterances by the Spirit. I think that's what the New Testament is teaching. Uh, but when you come to what the teaching gift is, teaching is authoritative instruction on previously given revelation. It's not new revelation, it's authoritative instruction on previously given revelation. And that is limited to uh, the men in the church. So, um, you know, I think Paul is being pretty clear about this. I know some people disagree with it, but that's my my take on it. We have another caller on the line. We want to take other callers. Call us at 1-800-881-9270. If we can fit you in, we will. We have Joy from Watauga. Joy, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you, and thank you for taking my call. I uh, was thinking of it from a practical uh, standpoint. It it seems to me, and I love teaching, uh, and I've only taught a mixed class one time, But I I feel like whether a woman is teaching or whether a woman is even just sharing in a mixed class, it seems to squelch the men's comments. They don't seem to answer as quickly or as openly if if women are answering. And that concerns me. And so I think there's just something inside of a man that tends to make him squelch if, if a woman speaks in an authoritative manner.
4: Well, Joy, I appreciate that. Um, You know, it's interesting because, you know, what Randy was saying, I think, was so apt. Uh, Really, the problem I think you see in a lot of churches and, indeed, in a lot of homes is an abdication of responsibility on the part of men. Men uh, have checked out in a lot of ways in churches across our land. And for some reason, they leave a lot of these things to other people. And sometimes it tends to be the wives and the women in the church and you know, my view is, I think that a lot of women would love it if the men would step back up and take leadership and take and have concern in spiritual things, both in the family and in the church. So, you know, really, I think what we see in the scripture is a clarion call to the to men to be men uh, in the home to lead to protect and to provide, and uh, in the church to um, to uh, develop leaders who will fit the qualifications for pastors and, and teachers that are, that are laid out there. Um, we have one other caller, Joy, who is in Plano. Quickly, Joy, you have just a couple of seconds.
5: Um, I, just, I just wonder, in regards to women, are, are women clamoring to give authoritative instruction to men? What's the big drama with that? That, to me, sounds like a pride issue. Or a fear of bad leadership. I have a I have a, a speaking gift, but I don't feel this strong need to give authoritative instruction to men. I don't.
4: Joy, thank you so much for that call. You know, you're right. Women are gifted. There are plenty of gifted women teachers, and I think the Lord wants them to use that gift. It's just, what does the Bible teach about how and where is the appropriate context for expressing that gift? And I think that what the the Scriptures are teaching is that. You know, Paul says, "I don't allow women to teach or to exercise authority over a man." And so, to faithfully apply this in the modern context means that we need to be listening to what the apostle says and observe male headship in, in the church. But women, yes, definitely, women do have a gift that should be exercised. Well, listen, I'm sorry, we're out of time. There's uh, much more to say on this topic. I don't think that we've gone as deep as is possible to go on this issue. But thank you all for participating. We look forward to seeing you next week when Jerry Johnson Live resumes. Until then.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show.